0: You're listening to Bible Truth Feed, a podcast by Christadelphianvideo.org for Christadelphians and all those seeking the truth about the Bible message. Join us now as we present our latest episode. Whatever happened to the Tower of Babel? Hello and welcome to Bible Truth Feed, a podcast by ChristadelphianVideo.org. One of the world's first skyscrapers is recorded in the Bible. It was a marvel of its time, much like some of the impressive skyscrapers that we see in cities like Toronto and Dubai. So, why was it abandoned? What stopped its progress?
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Christadelphian Events. The Tower of Babel narrative in Genesis chapter 11 is an origin myth, meant to explain why the world's people speak different languages. Or so Wikipedia says for its entry on the Tower of Babel. Yet, as it is written in the Bible by a God who cannot lie, The Tower of Babel and the surrounding events were real things which happened in human history. Well, today we're going to dive into Genesis chapter 11 to understand what happened. Why it was that God scattered humanity across the whole globe just because of one tower. And along the way, we're going to discover lessons from this record. our own lives. If you haven't tuned in before, well these live streams are arranged by Christadelphianvideo.org to help us all understand more about the message of God's Word, the Bible. Before we watch today's class, we will open with a short word of prayer. Dear God in heaven, you who reigns in your heavenly throne, And looks down upon us here on earth. We pray that you might help us to learn from your word. That we might do things which are pleasing in your sight. And help us to trust in your word. That it really is yours. And that it really is unchanging. We pray that you might soon send your son to this earth. To set up that kingdom centred in Jerusalem. And it's through his name we ask our prayer. Amen. While you're watching then, do take notes and perhaps write down any questions that you might have for us at the end. There will be opportunities for you to join us on this Zoom call if you just wait around till the end of the talk. But without further ado, we will now begin the video. Certainly a rather intriguing
2: and perplexing question about whatever happened to Babel, this tower that was constructed as recorded in the early chapters of the record of Genesis. And in many ways, it is somewhat of a mystery. And and we're able to investigate its origins and perhaps its reoccurrence through the framework of the Bible, which is rather exciting. It gives us the ability to to use the Bible as a a bit of a a diagnostic or investigation tool to help to come to a clear picture of whatever occurred with this particular Tower of Babel. Now, when we think of the the tower itself, it's helpful to perhaps put it into a framework from uh, a historical perspective. And here we see an account that's recorded in the earlier chapters of Genesis. And in many ways it falls midway between two other significant actions or activities. The one which preceded it was the flood of Noah in which the the, the world was deluged in in water and that there were only eight uh, human beings that were spared by uh, boarding the ark and being safely secured by God. And on to the, the right of that timeline We have the individual called Abram or Abraham, who is going to come into the foreground of the biblical record immediately after the the Tower of Babel. So this action was somewhat pivotal in what was going to occur within the, the timeline of man and how it would be impacted by the intervention of God in this particular endeavor. So it's quite interesting to look at that from from an overall time period. We see that we're perhaps just a a little less than um, 2000 years from the time of creation in which we have the construction of the Tower of Babel. That helps us to understand um, what would have been occurring and how the population would in fact have recovered after the the time period of the flood with perhaps just over three uh, centuries. So when we think about this record in our Bible, we find that for us in Genesis chapter 11. It's a rather short account in which we'll try to delve into the details in particular. But here, as was commented on in the opening video, we're dealing with a structure that was erected in the vicinity of modern-day Iraq. We're going to be able to pick up evidence from the Bible to try to pinpoint its whereabouts. But here we have these first few details provided for us in Genesis chapter 11, where we're told now the whole earth had one language and the same words and that's quite different from what we see today, where we've got uh, numerous languages, in some cases, spoken in a single country. But here there was a a, a unity of language, which allowed the people to converse and interact um, and to be able to uh, engage in certain endeavors. And then we're told in verse 2, and as the people migrated from the east, so after venturing away from the, uh, the, the ark where it would have landed, uh, when the, the, the people departed and the animals left the ark, they journey east, and they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. So this was a large expanse within the area of Shinar, and as you can see from the slide, in the original Hebrew language, Shinar means uh, a country of two rivers. It was in a plain of Babylon. And as you can see, it was situated in between those two principal arteries, that being the Euphrates and the Tigris. These were those two rivers that were associated with this name. And on this flat uh, piece of land, they set about to build a structure. They sought to settle there. They sought to put down roots and to start to, to, to grow their community. And we have this described for us in the third verse of that chapter. And they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and burn them th- thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. Or this, in the King James version, it has slime for mortar. But it was actually bitumen, so a, a, a viscous, thick hydrocarbon that could be used to, in fact, glue these stones together such that they would become a, a rigid, uni- unified structure. But it was quite a, uh, an endeavor that they were uh, being involved in. And in verse four we've told, "Then they said, "Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens, and let us make a name for ourselves lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth." So we have described for us here in this first, or fourth verse, what's some of the motivation? What was the uh, impetus for them developing or erecting this tower? and how it was part of a a larger larger city structure. And they had aspirations that it would be of some significant stature, that it would be quite high. It would be that skyscraper as described in our opening video uh, of the Old Testament. And they're told, let us make a name for ourselves. So there was some aspiration for recognition to be able to associate their heritage with the city and with this tower to perhaps sort of put their, their place on the map as far as a society. And verse five continues, and the Lord came down to see the city and the tower, which the children of man had built. So despite their aspirations that it would reach in the top of heavens, certainly we're given indication here that it was not of that grand elevation. And ultimately the Lord had to come down to see it. But it's helpful to sort of see uh, what were some of their intentions, their desires for wanting to do this. Uh, what was the, the, the Tower of uh, Babel to represent to this people? Now there's different artistic renderings. Here we have two from the same artist, uh, Pieter Bruegel, um, one which was appear in Vienna, the other in, in Rotterdam. So both in uh, museums within Europe. And you can see sort of the basic uh, circular structure that's somewhat telescoping. Um, so that we have a larger base, and then as it seeks to to build what we would refer to as as stories, um, that they are in fact decreasing in their their overall size. But it was a very solid structure, uh, as as presented uh, by this rendering by this artist, and you can see that it was of some uh, size. On the right-hand rendering, that picture seems to present it in uh, perhaps uh, at a smaller stature, But when you compare the the left hand photo um, of of this painting, you can see that due to the scale of the people that are very much in a minuscule format uh, or rendering at the base, that it was a much grander structure. But regardless, it was here was an enterprise that brought together the abilities, the ingenuity, the labor of the the ancient world to try to, to build this structure. And as that record would continue now with that picture in our minds of what that tower might have looked like the the sixth verse of that 11th chapter continues with this statement and the lord said behold they are one people and they all have one language and this is only the beginning of what they will do and we might stop back a step back and think well doesn't that sound positive they were united they had a common purpose they had a focus but as we'll see, what was their motivation were in, in, uh, directly against what God had given to them by way of divine direction as to how this people were to grow and how they were to, in fact, to be dispersed or distributed uh, around the, the habitable world. And the record would continue and say, and nothing that they proposed to do will now be impossible for them. So there's a hint that there's some motivation that there's some inclination that there's something not perhaps quite right with what is uh, compelling these people to build this tower. And there's kind of an interesting verse, although it's not on the slide that I'll share with you, that you could take down as a note, where it's told in the book of Exodus chapter 23 and verse 2, thou shalt not follow a multitude to do evil. And you might stop and think, well, is that really an appropriate reference to m- to use in relation to this section of Genesis chapter 11? And we'll see that that is in a moment as we look at our next slide. But there was a desire by God that, they would, that God would confuse their language through the intervention of his angels so that they may not understand one another's speech. To be united with one language gave them a, a, an ability to draw together their thinking. But in reality, it was the wrong type of thinking. It was the thinking of man. And as the record would continue, so the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of all the earth. So what they were concerned about was inevitably what happened. And as we commented on in the opening video, one of the reasons why they perhaps erected this tower was they were fearful of there being another flood, which could in fact cause a a significant loss of life. And we're told that they left off building the city. We're not told that it was destroyed, that it was dismantled, But they left it there as almost a monument, a testimony that there had been a failure, that there had been something that had gone wrong in their relationship with their God. Therefore, its name was called Babel because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth. And from there, the Lord dispersed them over the face of all the earth. Now, this association or identity of Babel is recorded for us earlier in Genesis chapter ten, in relation to another individual who had aspirations to build a kingdom, to have some renown, to have a place from which he could rule, which helps us to perhaps see the the associations of this uh, location as having something that would be in opposition to the will of God. And we're told in Genesis ten verse ten, in the beginning of his kingdom was Babel, and Eric and Akad and Cana in the land of Shinar. So it's the same location. And if you have a Bible uh, center margin, you might see that for Babel or in newer translations, it in fact renders that word as Babylon. So this was the location of, of the tower of Babel. This was what was the motivation to construct it. And this was how it ran against or in opposition with the will of God, as we'll see in a moment. So when we think about this tower, it's helpful to perhaps view it from God's desired perspective in what he had aspired for the people to do and what was to be the focus as designated by God in relation to what man chose to be his perspective. And at times we might see that this is the, the thought process that we need to go through when we make certain cho- choices in our life. What does God desire of us? And ultimately, what do we choose? And do are they compatible or in agreement? Because in Genesis chapter 9, verse 1, Noah and his sons and and daughters and wife, when they left the ark, were given this instruction in the first verse of that chapter. And God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth, which certainly indicates that they were meant to to spread out, that they were to raise families and they were expected to, to, to move out along the face of the earth, not to congregate. But by contrast, we can see what was the behavior of the people. And as the people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. So we need to sort of keep those two points of view alongside each other. What was God's desired perspective and what was man's chosen perspective? When we look at God, he had said at that time, people began to call upon the name of the Lord. They meant they associated themselves with their, their God. They were happy to be connected with their God. But from man's perspective, as we saw in Genesis 11, we have described for us, let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. There was this desire to have a distinct identity, one of their own making, one that gave them a, a unique uh, uh, visibility. Uh, and uh, remembrance uh, of that uh, location where they would reside. In Genesis 3, verses 22 to 23, in speaking to to the very first individuals that God had created, behold, a man has become like one of us. Therefore, the Lord God sent him out from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. So it was intended to be an agricultural society, one in which you provided enough sustenance for your own family which allowed you to to live a a very simple but a very satisfied lifestyle but in contrast here in genesis chapter 11 here they have individuals where come let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens so they had disregarded or abandoned what god had prescribed to them for their initial responsibilities and rather than toil from the ground They set about to construct a city and a tower, all of which would not necessarily feed you, uh, but would certainly give you recognition. And interestingly enough, that idea of the top of of heavens later on in the book of Genesis, and I'll just give you this reference to follow up on, this is described in relation to the man Jacob who has a vision of an angelic ladder that connects uh, the the earth with heaven and the angels are, uh, are going up on this ladder and coming back down. And it's that language in the in, in the heavens that he saw in a vision, but that was what the, the people were aspiring to do. They wanted to have their own identity, they wanted to make their own choices, they wanted to uh, determine their own future, and in, in, in essence, they were walking away from the, the clear commandments of God. Now, interestingly enough, these people, which would go through a, a long period of history, who would ultimately Uh, Travel into the land, which we know as modern day Israel, would be subject to a captivity that would have disruptive effects, much like the occurrences in the Tower of Babel. And here the people would be uh, held captive by uh, the Babylonian kingdom, which would be operating in the vicinity of where that Tower of Babel uh, was first constructed back in the early chapters of Genesis. And here we have it recorded for us in Daniel chapter 1, which was one of the key prophets that was speaking during this period. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, there we've got that association all the way back to Genesis, came to Jerusalem and he besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the vessels of the house of God, and he brought them to the land of Shinar. So here are those articles of the worship that were associated with the temple of God as constructed by Solomon, have now been uh, seized by the King of Babylon and they've been taken off as uh, trophies of war back to the land of Shinar to the house of his God and placed the vessels in the treasury of his God. And we might stop and think, well, what's the point? What, what is the association here from Daniel with earlier back in Genesis? Well, interestingly enough, The Babylonian uh, kingdom was very renowned for, in fact, constructing one of the seven wonders of the ancient world, and it's that which is depicted on the left-hand portion of the slide, at least in this timeline, which is described as the Hanging Gardens of Babylon. It was one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. Now, it wasn't that grand in elevation as compared to the Great Pyramid of Giza, but it was quite noteworthy. And it was, this, uh, it was quite expansive in its overall footprint and was in fact something that the, the world marveled at because of its beauty. And if you look on the right-hand portion of the slide, you can follow that number two, and you can see where that is in fact shown on the upper right-hand portion of the slide. So what's the relevance here? Well, when archeologists started to dig in the area of Babylon, they came across some interesting associations they saw that there was in fact uh, a large structure that was built for religious worship, which would have been the location that uh, these articles from the house of God in Jerusalem had been carted off to. And it's this this terrace structure that is in the left-hand portion of the slide. But I thought what was interesting within this artistic rendering of this slide, and we aren't certain whether these two structures in fact appeared on the same location, but ultimately you can see the, the heritage, the looking back to the Tower of Babel as rendered in the, the background of this picture. That, that uh, telescoping structure was something that was, was shown in this slide. Um, once again, we, we, we can't be dogmatic that it in fact was there in the, the, the time of the King of Babylon, but certainly the, what ha- had been built as part of the, the Hanging Gardens which was the structure in the the foreground, showed that there was an association with this institution of of worship, that it wasn't just a civil engineering enterprise. And interestingly enough, when we look at the, the King Nebuchadnezzar, later on in his reign, we have these interesting statements, which echo back to what we have seen previously in Genesis 11. And we're told of King Nebuchadnezzar's humiliation all this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar at the end of 12 months, he was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon. And the king answered and said, is not this great Babylon, which I have built by my mighty power as a royal residence and for the glory of my majesty. And you might stop and think about those phrases, which I have built, which showed his his, his pride in what he was aspiring to do, much like that that attitude of let us that we saw in Genesis 11. It was by his mighty power. It was the wielding of the, the human hand of innovation and their minds that compelled them to construct the Tower of Babel. And it's for the glory of my majesty, which was really what the people were striving to do. And you notice once again on that right hand portion of the slide, even in this graphic, you've got that terrace type structure in the extreme background of the slide, which perhaps once again gives evidence that this structure could have been even present during the, the time of the king of Babylon. And when those Jews were transported to Babylon, what a stark reminder of rebellion that would have uh, re- uh, given them in relation to their own history when looking back at the early chapters of Genesis. Now, King Nebuchadnezzar suffered for it. He was driven from among men. He was dwelling in the field. And that too sounds a lot like what we saw in Genesis 11. Their unity was broken. Their language was confused. And they were pushed out or dispersed into all lands. And ultimately, it was this aspect of sovereignty, of respecting God's authority, was a feature that was, although not noted in Genesis 11, clearly is evidence here. In Daniel 4 where we're told until you know that the most high rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will so there's some interesting parallels there between this record in Genesis 11 and what we see here in the book of Daniel. Now here's a picture of the present day ruins of Babylon not uh, much beauty to to reflect upon, uh, but it shows the the scale and the number of buildings that would have been uh, made up this overall landmass. Ultimately, many of the bricks would have been taken for building of of other structures. But here's sort of an ongoing reminder of what would become of these structures as erected by the will of man. Now, interestingly enough, as we commented on, there may be some modern day reappearance of this Tower of Babel. And when we look into Europe now, not within the, the environs of modern day Iraq, within the European Union, Parliament, there's a tower that was of some uh, near half billion euro investment to construct, which in many ways starts to bear resemblance to what we saw back in Genesis 11. Now, many of the uh, of the builders would have said that this was left in an unfinished condition, so that it would indicate that the the European project was incomplete. But ironically, it has many strong associations. With the Tower of Babel. Here we have a unity of man that's trying to bring together as one united mindset peoples. The language hasn't been united, but the will, the motivation, has. And when we look at this, they often associate it with the type of circular structures that would be reminiscent of the Roman Colosseums. But interestingly enough, if you overlay that structure with what we saw from those artistic renderings of the Tower of Babel, there has perhaps a, a rather eerie similarity, which shows that this attitude of mind that is present today in society, in which man seeks to find his own way, establish his own future, fix his own destiny, and step away from being obedient to the principles of God is not in fact a reoccurrence of the Tower of Babel. So we ask ourselves, What will be the rest of the story? And certainly time will tell.
1: If you found this video helpful, then make sure to go to our website to find other Bible study materials. And also don't forget to take the quiz by using the link down below. If you take enough quizzes, you'll earn some awesome rewards as well as some very useful Bible study tools. We at Bible Basics Webinar also specialize in individual and small group Bible studies. You can text us by using the phone number that's also down in the description as well as our email to get more information about our Zoom and in-person classes. And of course, thank you so much for watching Bible Basics webinar, where we use the Bible to learn about God. Well, thank you everyone for joining us. I hope you enjoyed that talk, and it was fascinating, wasn't it? To see those pictures of the Tower of Babel, just in the background of the Hanging Gardens of Babylon. And to imagine what it must have been like for Daniel as he was in that far off land. And he could see that great monument to mankind's rebellion against God. And yet we know for Daniel that caused him to focus his mind more and more on his God. And on keeping up those three times a day prayers to his God. Well, if you haven't heard of Christodalphine's before, and perhaps you'd like to find out a bit more, then check out the website cdvideo.org. And on there you'll find lots of videos and articles all about the things we believe And especially if you look in the About tab. There you'll find some specific videos about what makes us different from mainstream Christianity. Well, here on Facebook we stream two classes a week. And on a Sunday, like like today's one at 2.30 in the afternoon, we stream an introduction to the Bible class. And then on Thursdays at 6.30, God willing, we stream a more in-depth Bible class for those who want to find out a bit more. If you've enjoyed this talk today, then I'd love to invite you to join us for next Sunday's talk at 2.30, which is entitled, Why Didn't Jesus Turn Stones Into Bread? And that's to be given by Brother David Wisniewski. Finally, thank you for tuning in, and goodbye.